At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Are you interested in black and white photography? We recently created a mini course for anyone who wants to take amazing black and white photographs both indoors and outdoors. It's essentially a crash course made up of 11 lessons that will introduce you to the genre, inspire you to try new things, and help you take amazing photographs, all within a short period of time. The current price is $19. We'll increase the price on January 1st, so make sure to take advantage of this amazing deal right now. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. I look forward to helping you take your black and white photography skills to the next level. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to the very talented and very creative Evan Naka. Evan takes stunning product photographs in his studio and in the great outdoors. We talked about his approach to business, why he loves what he does, how he handles social media, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey, Evan. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Taya. Uh, my name is Evan Tanaka. I go by Evan underscore Naka on social media. I'm a photographer, videographer, and I have a creative agency based in Los Angeles. You have such a great portfolio. When I stumbled upon it on Instagram, I was just blown away by not just the professional professionalism of your work, but also how open you are. Because a lot of photographers, I don't think they're very interested in sharing behind the scenes shots and their techniques and everything, because that's like their secret, which I respect. But it's always nice to see photographers who are open like you. So, yeah, no, I, you know, it's it's funny you say that because I think that's originally when I first started photography and videography, I was looking for those people just how to learn. Cause I didn't go to school for this. I was going on YouTube. I was going on Instagram and TikTok didn't exist back in the day. Um, and I was just looking for any type of information just to learn. And it was actually harder to find. And it's kind of surprising nowadays. Cause I feel like everybody, or at least a lot more people show some behind the scenes, whether that's on big cinematic films or, you know, studio shoots or anything like that. But I noticed that there was a lot of, you know, that information lacking out there, just especially in like the quick form version of it. Some YouTube videos were just really long form with show, showing how to create a shot or something like that. But just those quick snippets um, weren't really there to help the photographer on the go. Um, and so that's how I really started doing things. I just captured the behind the scenes and I wanted to share it with people because I knew that helped me a lot. It must be difficult to do that because you have to actually take photographs and film the behind the scenes shoot and, you know, yeah. post it on social media. Isn't that really difficult to do? It, it's it's not necessarily difficult. It's more of a, I just have to remember to do it because 
I, and I don't know if you're the same way when you're you're creating it's I get very into it where what I'm doing whether it's product or lifestyle or working with models I'm just it's myself and the product or model and then I'm like oh shoot I gotta I gotta take a behind the scenes or I need to set up something so that I'm capturing this and so it just takes a little bit more time every step you need to know that uh, I have to set up the camera angle a little bit different or I need to have somebody else there doing behind the scenes and so it's just another step of the process, you know, just to make make our lives a little bit more difficult, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But you're getting rewarded for it because you have such a large following on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, right? It's uh, it's a rewarding experience, probably. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it didn't start off that way. But now, especially I've been doing this for a while, it has become kind of second nature. And it's really funny, like the crew that I work with a lot of times on my bigger shoots, they all know. BTS. Evan loves his behind the scenes. They all have out their phones. They're taking the phone. We have a big shared drive folder that we all throw it up there afterwards. So it's gotten to a point where it's easier because we've been doing it for a while. And obviously it helps to have a really good crew that, you know, they understand what's needed out of shoots. Right. Yeah. It's uh, important to have a supportive team of people who understand mm -hmm. you and who care about what you want to create, right? Absolutely. But yeah. still, I, I still have those simpler shoots where it's just myself and there it's actually really comical because if i still am shooting in my garage or doing something really quick maybe it's just like a quick tutorial or something fun that i'm doing i have my little iphone stand that i'm walking around with setting up my product shot moving the iphone stand i have my garage door open my neighbors all probably think i'm just out of my mind and i'm like just doing that whole thing inside my garage well, it's good that you're flexible, right? You can work with a big team and you can also work on your own and still great, create yep. good results. So it's, it just shows that you're a professional photographer. That's how I see it. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, iPhone stands and equipment in general, what camera equipment do you use? Um, so I use a variety of different equipment. Uh, my primary equipment is all Sony. So for the camera I use for a lot of my lifestyle uh, photography and what I've been using for the past few years is a Sony a7R4. Um, I came from the R3 and I started on the R2. So I really like that extra megapixel. Uh, and then for my video, I also shoot Sony. Um, I currently am using the Sony FX6. Um, I was using the a7S3, which I actually think I might get as my B cam again, or the FX3, love that camera. Um, so those are my primary uh, pieces of equipment for photo and video but then i actually just started venturing into Hasselblad and i use that for my product photography anything that's more still life it has amazing picture quality lacks some things that sony has especially in the area of like autofocus and being quick and shutter speed um but when i'm able to take a little bit more time with my photography Hasselblad is what i usually use Great equipment. Hasselblad is such a dream. I really want to use uh, one of those cameras in the future. Goodness. Woof. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's it was really, I had that same mindset of like, oh, Hasselblad is just such a far out there piece of equipment. But then I kind of just started looking at it more of how I started with my Sony equipment, where, you know, my first camera, first, I couldn't afford a camera. So I would rent, and that's a fun story, but I would just like, basically borrow it from the school every single day or every weekend and shoot with it. And it was some, I think a, a Nikon really low end camera, probably like 500 bucks if that. Uh, and then I finally was saved up enough money to buy my first camera, which was, I think the a 6,000 or a 6,500. And that was probably around just under a thousand dollars without a lens. And then, you know, I stepped it up to the R2 and then R3 and then R4. And then I was able to get my other video equipment, and so I started looking at Hasselblad the same way where they have the new uh, X1D Mark II. And, you know, that is in the realm of a high-end full-frame camera. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to approach this the same way I did when I was just starting out. You know, you need to start somewhere and you build to where you want to be. Um, it took me out of my comfort zone with Sony. And now I can see myself slowly upgrading to make it to the the big leagues, if you will, of the cameras that like uh, some of the, you know, the photographers that I look up to like Annie Leibovitz and Platon and those really amazing photographers that 
use that really high-end photography equipment. Well, yeah, that's good to know that you, it took you a while to upgrade your equipment. And that's something that I can relate to as well. When I first started, I just had a smartphone. It was just, mm-hmm. just a smartphone at two megapixel camera. If that, I think it was like one megapixel or something. I was like, I'm going to take photos with this and I'll be so good. <laughs> yep. And that's, I think that's such a smart way to approach things. It's like, don't worry so much about the other equipment that's out there. That'll come. As long as you are focused on your craft and building your craft, ignore what other people are using because it doesn't matter if you're using Hasselblad, Sony, Nikon, Canon. It's all about the photographer. This is a broken record uh, piece of advice, but I think it's just so true. The camera does not make the photographer. The photographer makes the camera. Uh, And I've seen people create way better work than I could ever do on an iPhone. And it's an incredible so it is learning the fundamentals, understanding lighting, composition. If you don't have any of that down, you won't, it doesn't matter what camera you're using. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. I completely agree. And you mentioned that you used to borrow your camera from your yeah. store, right? So you must have been very passionate about photography already to do something like that. You must have been very persistent. So who or what inspired you to get into photography in the first place? So, you know, it, it's funny. Um, I think I'm actually on the other side of when people say they start photography, they started out of a place of passion and they wanted to express themselves. I actually had to do it out of necessity. And what I was doing was I didn't go to school for this. I wanted to create a small business for myself. Um, I had graduated my under from undergrad with a degree in kinesiology, athletic training. I wanted to be a physical therapist. Um, I thought I was going to go off to become a doctor at some point. And I realized that wasn't the life for me. So at after I graduated from college, I went back and got an internship in marketing. And I went back to grad school. And while I was at grad school, I was playing around with the idea of starting a business. Um, but this was probably about seven or eight years ago. And I was starting this business and it was a clothing brand. And the thing I needed most to to be able to market it was content. And I I didn't have any money to hire anybody. I didn't know anything about photography or how to hire people for photos or video. Um, And I was very cheap (laughs) because I I had to do it. I was going to work for free. So it was more of the necessity and the hustle that took me to photography. It was just a piece of the business at that time. And like I said, I couldn't afford a camera. And what I would do every single weekend while I was in grad school and I was a full-time MBA student, um, every Friday, I would go to the library and I would tell them that I was taking a photo 237 class. I just made it up, something that didn't exist. And I was like, this is the class I'm taking and I need a camera for this weekend's project. And so they would rent me out the camera for free. And I would spend the entire weekend shooting just either the product, doing self Uh, putting it up on tripods and trying to do uh, like me wearing the shirts for the econ site. I would coax my other friends into doing it and some of the other grad school students. Uh, So it was, it was that necessity. And then I just had to pick up and try and get better because my photos were crap in the very beginning. And I even remember my first econ shoot for my overhead photography. I had it rigged up on, I think my golf bag with a golf club that was hanging out. And I had it the the camera taped to the end of the golf club facing down onto the my kitchen floor. Uh, and it was it was like that's how I started. And it was just it 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 wasn't a crazy setup. It wasn't good looking. My photos weren't great. I look back at them now and I'm like so cringy. But you know, you just you have to go through that growing pain um to hopefully and if you like it. Uh, hopefully it'll lead into something amazing in the future, but that's how it all started. And like I said, it was out of necessity, not passion. The passion came later. I realized that was my favorite part of, of running the business with the photography aspect. That's really cool. It's a wonderful story. It's so nice to know that, you know, people, we have our own paths in life. We all have these unconventional uh, paths nobody has the same life as someone else. And so it's uplifting to know that even if you do take what some would say, like the wrong path, you will still eventually find the thing that is your passion. You found photography uh, kind of without really yeah. for it, right? Yeah, no, I, 
And, you know, I could probably make the argument, like looking back when I was growing up, like I did have an affinity for taking photos, whether that was just like with Polaroid cameras or just disposables or whatever it might be. But it was never something that I saw as a career for myself. I was always into art. I loved painting and drawing and charcoal, um, all mediums in that sense. But I never thought it was a career that I was able to make money on. Um, I, I even remember my my dad in a very comforting way telling me that if I wanted to be an artist, I was going to end up on the pier painting portraits for people for 10 cents. And <laughs> so that was my idea of what the arts were. So I was like, I have to go the complete opposite direction, which was medicine. And that's not true. It, it isn't. But it doesn't mean that when you go after your passion, it's going to become a, a profit-making business. It does take a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of long nights, a lot of hustle, the right networking opportunities and creating those, like I said, that network um, to really help elevate you in your career. And that's right. And you've come a really long way. You have uh, a company called Naka Studios now, and that focuses on telling stories for different brands. And as you just said, it's not easy to take product photos. It's not easy to build a business and network with people. You really have to be strategic. But I think the most important part of it is creating photographs that brands love and that they can connect with. So how do you come up with fresh ideas every time during your photo shoots? Oh, I mean, that's difficult because I always love being very collaborative with brands. So, you know, in the past, I think when I was first starting out, I was very gung-ho and almost ignorant to the fact of like what brands needed. It was more of like, I just want to create something really cool. So they would give me a product. I'm like, I just go outside or go to my studio and start shooting and send them back the photos. And I realized that's probably the best, not the best way to approach commercial product photography because brands have an identity. Brands have a desire, what they want, what they need. And even if you are faced with a brand that says, you know what, we trust you. We want you to do whatever you want because you're creative. You're the one with the vision. That's great that they have that trust in you. But I think it is so important to have that brand have some type of insight, some type of direction, because at the end of the day, what might have worked on one brand won't always work for another. What I shot for White Claw won't work for Truff. What I shot for Chocotee won't work for High Noon. It just won't translate the same. Um, so for me, the process is always getting a good understanding of the brand identity hearing what the goals of that content are, whether that's running ads on it, social, uh, storytelling, informative, um, whatever it might be. And then we're able to develop a concept around that. And I always love at adding in some type of action and motion into my photos. Um, but it still is always keeping in mind what that brand is looking for and what the end, end goal is. Yeah, that's a good answer. It makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, you're creating products for them. So they have to be happy with them no matter how much they trust you. And it has to be yeah. a collaborative process. Yeah, it's not always easy to do that while also maintaining you know, your own style as a photographer. But uh, yeah. I think it's something that you can achieve with practice, right? Absolutely. And you know, I definitely see myself developing a style. But I think even, even for myself now and where I'm in my career is I'm still exploring what my photography will be and what it can become. I'm a very strong believer that this is just the beginning of what I plan to do for the rest of my life. So as much as I feel like I have a, a little bit of a style, I'm still willing to be flexible and experiment with, you know, what other ways I can bring products to life or even lifestyle shoes to life. Uh, and, you know, I'm still honing the craft. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do amazing things in the future if you already have such a strong portfolio. And it's great that you have this mindset of constantly evolving as a photographer and of uh, you know, reaching new heights. It's a, yeah, it's a great mindset to have, especially mm -hmm. uh, especially for a photographer, because we fail. We have failed shoots. You know, things don't go oh, yeah. out. Uh, you know, clients don't always like our work and it can be discouraging, but it's important to have a mindset what? like yours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Clients don't like our work? What? That never happens. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, forget I said that. Yeah, never. Yeah. <laughs> they love us. But you often work in a studio, like, given the nature of your, you know, what you specialize in. Mm -hmm. What are your top three studio photography tips? Ooh. Um, number one, patience. Uh, I think 
that is the biggest learning curve for me when I was, I came from more lifestyle. I actually started with video before I really ventured into photo. Um, but all my lifestyle shoots were, we were always in a situation. We were outside, we were downtown, we were in a backyard, we were somewhere hiking, whatever it might be. And you're given this kind of, you're given the setting. You don't have to stage anything really too much, at least in what I was doing in the very beginning. And so we would just be shooting. I would just be running around and like laying on the ground, jumping up and down, climbing on things and trying to get the cool angles and all of that. And I would just be rapid fire. Um, now we'll go to the product photography side of it. Um, it. It doesn't work like that. You're setting up. Everything needs to be thought about. Um, taking your time, having patience with the lighting, patience with the product, um, patience with the styling of it. Uh, just know that studio photography is not as simple as some people lay it out to be. It does take time. It takes a lot of patience, especially if you're going to be doing any type of motion capture. Uh, some some of these shoots that I do with that I get one shot out of might be a 12 hour day um, because of all the different setups and the mess that we create. Um, tip number two is don't get inside your head too much. I've had so many shoots where I'm continuously like, I want to come up with creative ideas and I want to try new things. And then I'll just sit there and I'll either write them down or just think about it. And I'm like, Oh, that won't work. Oh, that won't be, that won't look good. That won't be good enough. Um, and, and that stops me from going outside and even just shooting something. And I just think that's such a detriment to your creative process and growing as a photographer. And you, if you don't do it, you will never see what was possible. Um, I can't tell you the amount of shoots that I've gone into that I had an original concept with, and then I've just changed it 180. Totally is a different photo at the end of it. Um, and I think that's important to know going into any photo shoot is that this can change. Start with an idea, have it evolve on set. That's okay. Um, and I think you actually will end up with even better results at the end of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful advice. Uh, I completely agree with you. I also kind of get lost in my own head sometimes and not in a good way before my shoot. Yeah. Like you, I just sit down and I start thinking, overthinking. I'm like, hmm, is this going to work out? And I visualize the photographs because, you know, I have experience now. So I think that I can visualize everything clearly when I actually can't. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I get stuck in my head sometimes, but it's uh, it's good to know. Yeah, great tips in general. I haven't done too much studio work, but I've always had this idea of it that it's very, very difficult. <laughs> it takes a lot of patience, as you said. Um, it would be nice to try it one day. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It's something that you kind of have to learn to love. And you like we were talking about just a second ago with visualizing, you do need to have a bit of a vision on what things will look like once you take it to post, especially on a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, they're more compositing than anything where I know where I need objects to either fall or splash or um where I'm going to be able to fill in on different areas. So I'll be on set and I'll actually look at a, a photo in sections sometimes, depending on what the photo is. And I'll say like, okay, I know that I need something on the left-hand side. I need a, a water splash. I need a flame. I need sand, whatever it might be on this left side. I, I capture it. Great. Moving over to the next section. Let me make sure I know I have something in there. So I'm, I'm putting the pieces together on set. Uh, and I think, you know, studio photography is probably where that comes in the most handy is just you're not always a lot can be done in post. But at the same time, it's like the more, more you can capture in camera to piece your photo together, the better. And it's going to look so much better as an end result. Right. Yeah. You have to be really strategic. Yeah. I can't imagine how much skill that takes. Honestly, I would just feel lost yep. during a photo shoot in a studio. <laughs> Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net 
online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Uh, and then I think you asked for one more piece of advice. I'm trying to think of one right now. There's just so many. I would say learn lighting. Lighting is a huge piece of it. Uh, but lighting is definitely very important for any type of product photography. Learn it, learn it well, understand it. Um, you don't need artificial light for all your product photography. Natural light does wonders. Um, but once you can really understand how to shape it, uh, I think it's going to open so many more doors for you. And not only in product, but in portrait work or any type of model work, because lighting a product is really not that different than lighting a person. Um, you have soft light, you have hard light, you have the harsh shadows, soft shadows, uh, wrapping the light around products, getting rid of glare, uh, all of that type of knowledge you can take with you anywhere. And what a better way to learn free with a, a product. You can take a can of whatever of your favorite soda and you can just start practicing. And that that's a great way to learn lighting. Yeah, it's a great approach. And speaking of just getting a can and taking photos of it, in one of your mm -hmm. YouTube videos, you talked about how to get higher paying clients. I really mm. enjoyed watching that video in particular because uh, I, I've never heard of that approach. You mentioned that you, I mean, you can talk about this a little bit if you want as well, yeah. but there was the, the white claw. You you wanted yep. to work with them instead of just reaching out to them and sharing your portfolio with them. You actually decided to take more initiative and buy one of their products, take photographs of them and show them what you could do uh, just, mm -hmm. you know, with your own budget. And I was uh, astounded by that because you said you had reached out to them on Instagram but you didn't get any replies, but then you reached out to a few uh, of their company members on LinkedIn. And that's when you started getting responses. Yep. That's when you started getting opportunities. So it's all very well thought out. And you first needed to take initiative and kind of take a risk because you didn't know whether they would reply or not. So I kind of yep. summarized everything <laughs> for you there. But uh, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that was perfect. That's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know anybody at White Claw. And it was a company that I thought, you know, it would be really cool to work with them because it's a newer product. It's something that I know a lot of my friends enjoy. I enjoy drinking them. Um, and so it was something that I had accessible. And this was probably right at the beginning of the pandemic. So everything was closed. I didn't have really access to models or anybody else. So I did need to shift my focus primarily to product because that's what I was able to shoot. And um, like you said, I just had a white claw accessible. I think I was just drinking with a buddy of mine and I was like, you know what, we should take a photo of this. And I did it, this setup in my garage. It was such a rinky dink duct taped set where I had a piece of like white paper behind it. Um, I took a kitchen grate, uh, one of those kitchen, uh, sink grates where it separates the dishes from the bottom of your sink. And I put that up on two air stands and I hung fishing wire off, off of it and I hung the cherries around it. And then we started throwing water at it. Uh, and the, the photo came out amazing. I was, I was so happy with it. I hadn't, hadn't really done anything like that to that point. Um, and then when I put that on social media uh, and it kind of took off on, it, on TikTok and I was like, oh man, you know, White Claw is going to love this. They're, they're going to definitely want to work with me. And I reached out on Instagram and TikTok and nothing, even though I had a million views, I was like, why aren't they, why don't they want to see this? And that's when I went to the LinkedIn approach. And maybe that's from the grad school and me of how I was supposed to get jobs and we were supposed to connect on LinkedIn. And I was like, I'm going to try it from a creative standpoint. So I took that image. I also took all the analytics from it and I put it in emails and I wrote a, a you know, a unique email for every single or a unique message for every single employee that worked in the social media brand sector of White Claw. So you go on LinkedIn, I typed in White Claw and I looked at all their employees and I went down uh, and I found all the different ones that were in social media and branding and I sent them that message. And it was probably a few days afterwards, I finally got the response saying, you know, this, we saw your message, we love the content. We actually saw this on TikTok. We were looking to get in, uh, 
looking to connect with you. Thank you for sending this over. Uh, let's jump on a call. And we ended up doing something pretty soon after that. Really wise approach. So smart. Yep. And again, I use, I've been using this word a lot in this call, but strategic. You know, you thought everything through and you took initiative and you got the opportunity. And it's uh, it's such a great lesson for photographers because oftentimes we, uh, I don't want to speak for everyone. I'm just speaking for myself here, but I sometimes will reach out to people in the past. I've reached out to companies that I've wanted to work with and I would get discouraged if they wouldn't respond to me. And I would just stop mm -hmm. them. You know, I wouldn't try another yep. platform. I'd just be like, oh, whatever. They don't like my work. They're too busy, you know? Yeah. And, and so and I also came from the brand side. So after I graduated, I got a job at, and believe this or not, I worked at an investment firm for about a year and a half before I was able to, I got my first full-time hire at a, a men's footwear brand. And so I, I was on that brand side where I saw people wanting to work. I would see it. And I would just, it wasn't that I didn't like their work. It was just, we were too busy. We had other things going on. We had other like just launches or campaign shoots or what have you, where the timing just didn't match up. So it was nothing against the work. It was just solely, we didn't have the ability to do something at that point. So knowing that persistence is great. Don't be annoying, but persistence is great to let them know like I'm serious and I really believe I can help you. That's actually probably another really good piece of advice in general for up and coming photographers and videographers or creatives is that when you're reaching out to people and you want to like you want to shoot for them their brand or even if it's an individual that you're like oh I want to I want to shoot for them and um do something or and you reach out to them via Instagram or TikTok or email or LinkedIn, whatever it might be, all you're asking them by reaching out and telling them that is, I want you, I want your money. Give me money mm -hmm. because I'm going to work. You're, you're giving me value basically, because I have no idea who you are. I don't, me as a brand, I don't know you, your work, um, your, uh, your emotional stability, your responsibility, your responsiveness. Um, if you're reliable, I know nothing about that. So when you're coming at me and telling me that, give me this so I can go and make money off of it, that's all I hear. And that is such an important piece for any uh, creators that are trying to work with brands or people is that make sure you're bringing value to the table as well. Make sure you're offering something to them. So it's an, a transaction, not one-sided, but it's both-sided. So that they see the value in you automatically, not only them having to pay you money. Because uh, we get messages in, like that all the time. Give me this. I want to work. Give me, give me the money. Give me so I can go shoot something. It, it doesn't work that way. You need to show that you have value that you're bringing to the table so that they, they want to work with you. Instead of you just saying, Make, let me do this. Yeah, that's super important. And you're right. I've never thought of it that way. It's like demanding money. That's not a good look at all. <laughs> no, it, it, and obviously that's not what you're trying to say as a creator when you're reaching out to brands. You're not saying, give me money. I, I just, mm -hmm. uh, uh, something like that. But it's, it's more of like that. You got to remember brands are people too. And the people behind it, they're going to have their own personal understanding of emails or text messages or uh, the, the messages that you're seeing or you're sending them and they're going to interpret it their own way. So if it comes off as all the value that is being brought to the table is what the brand can offer, not what the photographer, videographer, whoever it is um, can offer, then it just, it's going to be one-sided and brands will see that. People will see that. It needs to go both ways. It needs to be a mutual uh, relationship, especially when you start out. And then we, they can, it can evolve from there. Uh, but I think that's probably the best thing to take forward while you're reaching out to brands. Okay. So let's say that one of the listeners is building their portfolio and they want to take this mm -hmm. approach. They don't want it, brands to think that they're just demanding money. So how can they show mm -hmm. their value to brands? Uh, it's not just about sending a simple email, as you just said. It's also doing what you did in the past, you know, taking initiative, showing exactly. like buying their products. Is there anything else they can do or any advice you would give to them? 
I think that would probably be the best piece of advice. Don't just reach out with an email. And especially if you're going after, we'll use the White Claw example again. Um, let's say I wanted to do product photography for White Claw. And all my my entire portfolio is um, people wearing khaki pants. I don't know. I'm just think, thinking something very bizarre. People wearing khaki pants, that's all I've ever taken fo- photos of. But I want to shoot White Claw. And I reach out to them and say, hey, send me some White Claw. I'll, I'll shoot it for you for X amount of budget. I'm going to be like, no, <laughs> you have no portfolio for this. You have no experience. Why do I think I should trust you? Uh, you're just looking for another job. Whereas if you seem like a brand advocate, um, I think that's such a better approach to do it. And it's in a way that, you know, that that I did it where I used the product. I liked the product. I went ahead and I shot it. I made something really cool. It wasn't just a, a white claw on a white seamless. And I was like, there's a photo of it. It was something that had emotion in it. it it fit the brand i really thought about what looked good for the brand but in my own unique way something that they didn't already have and i was like this is what i can bring to the table and guess what i did this for you already i made this for you um what do you think i'd love to hear your thoughts i'm not even asking for a job yet i'm just saying what are your thoughts uh, i hope you enjoy this if you would love to use it i would be i would love for you to share this if you would want to if not um, millions of people have already seen it. So this is the value I'm already bringing to the table. And oh, by the way, I have this big list of portfolio that are in the realm of what you, what White Claw is, whether it's a product shoot, a drink shoot, um, any CPG type brands. This is what I've also shot. Now, all of a sudden, I'm a established photographer. I have, uh, I'm, kind of a championing the brand for free because I like the product. I've already made, I've established that I have an emotional connection beyond just another paying job. So it's people are going to want to work with those types of creators way more than somebody that's just going to come to the table and say, Hey, let me shoot your product. I can go take some photos of white cloth somewhere, but mm-hmm. all I've done in the past is khaki pants. So mm-hmm. that, that would be, that would be the best approach in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you went the extra mile. Uh, even beyond that, you showed them that you could take initiative. You showed them that you could be reliable, and that's uh, yeah, it's a wonderful perspective. Definitely a mindset that more photographers should have. Not just sending a simple email, but also showing brands that they care about their products. Yep, and, and I think it's also you need to make sure the timing is right for when you're ready for those bigger brands. Uh, I can't tell you. The amount of people that, you know, they're, they're good, but they're just not there yet um, where they'll send it an email or their portfolio. And like, you have to, you have to be very aware of your own ability and skill level. You need to be honest with yourself when it comes to some of this type of photography and any photography in general, where you need to look at what you're creating, look at what they're creating. Is your, is your content at the quality of what these brands are creating and putting on their social media. And if it's not, you're not there yet. You're, you're, you, you have, still have some learning to do to get to that point because you don't want to burn that bridge too early. You don't want to put in their minds uh, too early that you aren't a good photographer in their mind, right? That doesn't fit their brand. Um, so making sure that your, your skill level, your, the content that you're able to put out matches or exceeds what that brand is doing and that'll that'll put you in such a better place even if there isn't a project coming up that they need you for at least you've established yourself that oh this guy this guy this girl they really know what they're doing and we need to figure out a way to work and that's actually happened to me before where i've reached out here's my portfolio Um, would love to work with you sorry we don't have a project right now we'll keep you in mind and i actually do hear back from them a few months down the road saying, Hey, let's, let's talk about this new launch that we have coming up. We think you'd be perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are different scenarios that you have to keep in mind as well. And you should never feel discouraged just because a company said no at first. Right. No, absolutely not. Let's talk about money for a second, because the type of photography that you do, uh, I mean, you have to ask brands for money and you have to let them know your rates. And that's not something mm-hmm. that photographers are always very comfortable with. 
And mm-hmm. talking about money with companies, they are not sure how they should value their work. They are afraid of asking for too much or too little. Uh, so do you have any tips for just uh, setting rates in general? Uh, if you have any tips, I would love to hear them as well, because <laughs> this is something that you will struggle with your entire uh, life. Mm-hmm. But the the best thing I can tell you is really kind of be honest with yourself set your set a standard and you know what some projects are going to pay more than others and that's just the truth of it I think something that really helped me when I was building my portfolio and started working with brands is that no one brand is going to make you rich but you know what will make you successful is ongoing relationships. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand the value of photographer, value of your time, your work. But if you're building and you're still worried about what your rates are going to be and is it too much or too little, guess what? You're still building. And you need to be flexible. You need to be able to work with brands that are going to pay a little bit less and some are going to pay a little bit more. It'll all balance itself out in the end. So mm-hmm. I don't think it needs to be hung up on that much. Set yourself like a low a standard that you're going to make sure that you can pay for your bills, your mortgage, your rent, your equipment that you're wanting to buy. Mm-hmm. And, but don't get so hung up on, oh, well, you know, I charged him $1,000. Maybe I should have charged him $1,200 because that's more, that's closer to what my worth is. It's like that $200 in the long run, right now it might seem like a lot of money, but in the long run, it won't. Because if you're going to money gouge in the beginning and really nickel and dime to get in the door, that's the mentality that some brands will have. And I don't care how many brands will tell you that it's all business, no personal. That's BS. Every person has a personal side to their business and will be thrown off the more difficult you make their life. And they will say, nope, not going to do it. Even if your work is good, if you're difficult to work with, we're, we're, they're not going to want to work with you. Mm-hmm. So I believe in long-term relationships, getting in the door, proving your worth by your content, not by the money you demand. That's wonderful advice. Again, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's very important to have a good relationship with brands. As you said, there's the emotional side of it where you have to connect with people and not just ask for a ton of money at first. Uh, and then that will end up in, in long-term relationships in which people actually value you for who you are, not just as a photographer, yep. but as a person. Yeah, I'd rather be a working photographer than a photographer. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good quote. <laughs> you can have that one. I, I don't know if anybody said that one yet. <laughs> that's, uh, that's my mindset. You are very successful on different platforms, as I've mentioned earlier. And you, I mean, on TikTok alone, you have half a million followers and you have such a such a strong following, such a loyal following. People really like what you're doing because of the uniqueness of your content. In your opinion, what kind of photographers should be active on TikTok? Um, I think TikTok is an extremely good marketing platform for yourself. Uh it can't, I think TikTok can get a bad rap because of how it originally started with a lot of the dancing, a lot of the skits. But I think if you use it in a way that you're marketing yourself, showing what you're capable of, um, it has the ability to bring in some really amazing work and opportunities. Um, it, it did that for myself. It opened a lot of different doors for me, but it was because I used it as more of a marketing platform and also education. I was sharing things and insights that I have had to learn the hard way to create the images that I wanted, but also kind of showing like, this is what photography looks like. It's not all glitz and glam. Um, If you're in the mindset of like, oh, these successful photographers don't run around and lay on dirty streets to get photos like I do, or is a one man show. Um, That's not true. Um, I still show it to this day that even though I've been doing this for a while and I feel like I progressed pretty well in my career, I'm still laying on dirty streets. I'm still a one man show um, showing that, that, you know, this new age of creators and photographers are uh, need to be able to wear a ton of different hats, whether that's taking photos or setting up lighting or carrying equipment or PAing for yourself. Like it, it is what it is. And I think showing that aspect of it, 
adds a a little bit of humility and um, people can connect with that. And that's what I've chosen to share on mine. Um, and if you're a photographer that has yet to get on TikTok or get on uh, social media and really use it like that, um, keep that in mind. People just want to see people being themselves. Um, don't get caught up in the trendy aspects unless you can relate it to your, what you're doing. Um, but that way, when brands see your content, they see you in, as more of a professional than as somebody that's just trying to gain a follower or gain a like. Right. It's not just about the superficial side of things. So I have found in my own experience as well, people relate more to humility and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I guess you don't need to talk about your whole life story on TikTok. But uh, yeah, as you said, showing that, you know, that photography is not all glitz and glam and that Mm -hmm. it has its, you know, darker sides, perhaps. (laughs) People, you know, everyone's struggling in some ways. So I think what I've learned in my life is that people are looking to relate to someone, whether it's in photography, whether it's just in life, if they see someone who has flaws and is openly talking about them, maybe even laughing at themselves for it, they can connect with that person better. So yeah, yeah, you made a good point there. Yeah. And I I think there's also personality that goes into it. Um, I've, I've learned, learned this too, working with different brands. The ones that I have the best relationship with are the ones that, you have the most connection with and if on tiktok or social media in general if you can show a bit of your personality if you're fun you're outgoing you're you're jokester you're if that's you share it let people know that's what to expect when they work with you if you're a a bit more posed and methodical and strategic you know let that be part of your brand let people know like this is this is what is to be expected to work with somebody like that because i think it it, when you develop that relationship with brands a true one you're going to have a long-term client and it's the best way to build a business um i think the other last note i would say about tiktok and followers and all that is the number of followers you have does not dictate the how good your work is i think that's just something extremely important so I don't want anybody to get in their mind because they have a hundred followers versus you know a hundred thousand. That doesn't make your work less than somebody else that has a bigger following. It's just you have not you haven't marketed it yet. And once it gets out there, if your content is as good as you believe it is, it will market itself. People take will recognize it and the, the followers will come, but don't let that be the goal. Let your content do the talking. Absolutely. Yeah, I think as photographers, we need to spend more time focusing on our work, on the creative process than on how much time we spend worrying about how many followers we have or how many likes our latest photo got. It's a a waste of time. I mean, it's natural to do that, I guess, but it's definitely... Yeah, of course. (laughs) Everybody wants to see that photo like, oh, I got a thousand likes on it. Everybody wants that and it feels good. And you, you have that rush of what, uh, dopamine or whatever it is that the uh, chemical that gets released in your brain that just makes you feel euphoric. Um, but that is short-lived versus the long-term effect of what good content, good creations have. Uh, it's much more long-lasting and much more fulfilling. Absolutely. Well, Evan, I have one more question for you. And that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? <laughs> oh, the one thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Um, you know, I, that's a really tough question because I don't think I can narrow it down for one, but if I had to really think about it and say something that I really hope to accomplish in especially photography is right now I'm starting to build a team, uh, around me that's helping with all my shoots and everything. And I love that. Um, and it's bringing people together and it's seeing all these different personalities and workflows and um, different talents all coming together to create something. And I think the biggest goal for me and my platform, since it's always been about education, is doing the same thing, but in a, on a bigger scale. And something I really want to create is an actual physical space where people can all come, either learn new techniques, work together, um, create in this 
space, a community, a true community, not just social and digital, but in an actual location um, that gives back to people that are still up and coming, wanting to learn, don't have access to equipment um, and be able to come in and test out new equipment, work together, um, make those connections uh, for, for as everybody is building that longer or big vision dream of theirs, which is becoming a true professional photographer. That's a fantastic vision. I really appreciate that you want to give back to the community, that you want to build your own community outside of the internet as well. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. I admire you for that. And thank you so much for sharing your tips and tricks and your story with me today. I learned a lot from you and I wish you all the very best with your photography journey. Uh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on here. Thank you. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. What a fun interview. I learned so much about business thanks to Evan, and I learned even more about product photography thanks to his stories. I was especially impressed by his experience on LinkedIn and the way that he approaches clients by taking lots and lots of initiative. I hope you learned something new in this episode, and I will see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.